0: Welcome to the Vertical Church podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Let's start off uh, this way. Think about uh, if you're a kid under, if you're a kid in elementary school or under. I want you to get in your head right now your favorite game, okay? Put your favorite game. I want you to think about it. I want you to get in your head your favorite game, and then I've got Mike with a mic in the back. It's going to be a roving microphone. And I want you to share with all of us in the auditorium what your favorite game is. Okay? So if you're brave enough to like just share it with everybody, raise your hand and Mike with a mic is going to find you. So lift your hand. Come on, kids. You got to participate. There's a hand over here. I see a mic. Oh wait, no. there's somebody up in the back. Skip the back. You got to come up for the to the to the to the front, so Mike with a mic can get to you. I love this. I like calling it Mike with a mic because it sounds so cheesy, and um, you're pointing this way. You got it up there? All right. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's Brian with a mic now. It. Baseball. Baseball. Okay, cool, cool. Somebody else? Somebody else got a favorite game? We got Ashton. Okay. Baseball. Baseball, right on. Okay, Uh, I think, uh, Mike, with the mic, we've got some hands down here in the front. I see a couple here, 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 over here. Uh, So just find. The game of life. Nice. Listen. You'll have to get philosophical. We're not there yet. This is how we get there. What'd you say? Football. Football, okay, somebody else. Uh Wii U. The Wii U. How many video game kids do we have? Raise your hand if you like playing video games. My boys better have their hands up. <laughs> Dear Lord, that's all they want to do. Somebody else? Just shout it out. Real loud. She wanted the microphone. <laughs> You're not getting that back, Mike. You're a Mike with no (laughs) mic. All right, somebody else. Uh, A couple people from this side over here. Uh, Lean up and yell it real hard into my microphone. Ninja Frogs? Ninja Frogs. Okay. Anybody else play Ninja Frogs? But that sounds really fun. Is it have ninjas and frogs? Or are the frogs ninjas? The frog, Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Okay, cool. Uh, we got somebody over here? Favorite game? Zombie Warfare. Something about warfare? Zombie Garden Warfare. Whoa. Did you see there was a zombie run? There's like been two zombie runs in Hampton Roads in the last couple of weeks. All right, one more and this will be it. Frozen. Frozen. Fro hey, uh, there's a frozen game on my phone actually. So cool. Yeah, right on. Uh how many people like hide and seek? Nobody said hide and seek. Do you remember growing up? I'm talking to the adults for a second. Do you know what we had to play? Like we didn't have ninja frogs and you know you you could play baseball, but we had to play tag. Anybody remember tag? How dumb of a game is tag? Listen what you play when you can't play anything else. Here's the, here's the idea of tag. You're it. Now we're going to go run around. and Chase each other. There are no balls. There are no equipment. There's no tool. There's nothing that you need except a field and an extra person. You can play tag. But Anyway, hide and seek. How many people like hide and seek? Alright, cool. What's your favorite place to hide? Anybody? What's your favorite place to hide? Under the stairs? Do you under chairs, you realize you just gave away your secret. Oh. I totally didn't expect anybody to answer their favorite place to hide, because who tells that, right? Like, I'm not telling you my favorite place to hide because it's my favorite place to hide. Okay, well, you keep it. What's your favorite place to hide, real quick? you to you, you really see, you're, you he's listening. Okay, he's gonna find you next time. Um, let's talk about hiding, okay? Let's talk about hiding places. Um, hide and seek, you know, that's kind of, um, it's a fun game, but I think also that's kind of describes our lives sometimes. We, we, we like to get in these hiding places. Now, I had a favorite hiding place as a kid. See, I grew up as a scrawny kid. Like, I was scrawny. Now, I know, like, you're looking at me now, you're like, you don't look too scrawny. That's what college and pizza does to you. Okay? Kids, listen to me. College and pizza will do this to you. So be mindful of both. But I was I was a scrawny kid growing up. And because I was scrawny, because I was small, because I was little than everybody else, I got picked on. I got bullied, right? And and the, the worst place that I got bullied was on the bus. You see, I grew up in Chapmanville, West Virginia, total population of 1,432, okay? That meant we all rode the bus. Everybody, if, if you were in school, you rode the bus. So I was on the bus with a lot of people who were very much older than me. And because I was scrawny and I was little, you know, they kind of they 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 picked on me I, I, there was there was a stretch in my life in like you know 4 weeks i got in two fights with two guys named Chad right and they were both like 4 or 5 years older than me but they were in my same grade but um <laughs> <laughs> Both chads, man, they tried to beat me up. And I don't understand why, because I didn't do anything to them. So so what I would do is when I would get home or when I would be getting ready to to leave in the morning to go get on the bus, I would get in my hiding spot before I left home. Because that was the spot that I kind of kind of could calm down, because I hated riding the bus. Despised it. I was terrified of what Chad and Chad Jr. were gonna to do to it. And so I got in my hiding spot, my safe spot. And and I had this, I grew up in this double wide trailer. If you don't know what a double wide trailer is, think of a trailer and put another one beside it, double, and there you go. Perfect sense, right? Double wide. So we had this uh, we had a you know kitchen, living room, dining room, three bedrooms, it was awesome. And in the living room we had our TV and then we had this like retro 1975. Wooden, brown couch and, and, and chair uh, in front of the TV. And my favorite hiding spot was, was there was an end table right next to the chair, and I would hide under that table, and I'd kind of scooch back against the wall. And if I got scared, if I was terrified about something, I would hide in the chair itself and kind of squeeze my body in between the cushions, the back cushion and the seat cushion, and then throw a blanket over me. And if I watched something on TV that was scaring me, I would kind of nuzzle into my hiding spot, into my safe spot. The worst thing that I watched growing up as a kid was a show called V. Anybody watch V? Yeah. V will terrify you, man. Like they peel their faces off. It's weird. I thought about showing pictures of V, but I knew the kids would be in here and I didn't want nightmares to happen tonight. V still gives me nightmares. They tried to do a remake of it on ABC. It wasn't as good. I'm telling you, when they... Well, I would watch V because I really liked the show, even though it scared me. And they would you know, start peeling the skin off of their face because they were aliens. If you don't know what V is, let me educate you on 1983 TV shows. <laughs> v, uh, there were these visitors. That's why they were called. it was called V for visitors. And they came to Earth as aliens, and they pretended to be all good and stuff and, and, and helpful and nice, but they were just fake, right? Because uh, underneath their human skin, they were reptiles, <laughs> It was the 80s, okay? There weren't a lot of like solid TV shows. But um, then, then there would be these scenes where they'd get in a fight and part of their skin would rip off and you would see their reptile, half of their reptile face. Totally freaked me out, man. Like, like, I was so scared. I had dreams about that show. And in my dreams, they would be chasing me and the skin would be flying off. And if I could get to my safe spot in my dream, we are going to a place in this story. If I could get to my safe spot, If I could get to that chair and get a blanket over me, even in my dreams, I would be okay. The the, the V people wouldn't be able to get to me. Now, I've I've long since kind of uh, grown out of a lot of fears and and terror and and things that scared me as a kid, minus the whole V thing because that still freaks me out. But... (laughs) As I've grown up, grown into an adult, you know, uh, my childish fears have been have 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 faded and been replaced with adult fears, just like some of you. When, when you were a kid, there were things that you were scared of, and then as you've grown up and as you've gotten older, there are different things that keep you up at night now. There, there, there are different things that you fear. You see, we all fear a whole a variety of things. Some of us fear Public failure, and that's why you never take a risk, because you're so scared that you're going to fail, and everybody's going to see you. Some of us fear abandonment. Some of us fear public speaking, and so we never get in front of anybody, and some of us fear uh, death, and, and, and all kinds of different things, and if you struggle with fear, I just want you to know something, you're not alone we talked about this last week. You're not alone. Fear hits us all. Fear will hit you whether you're rich or poor, powerful or weak. Fear will will, will will hit people who seem like they have it all together, and those of us who are just hot messes running around, you know? Fear will get all of us. And I've discovered as a pastor talking to people about their fears, that most everybody I talk to has a place they run and hide when they're afraid. That might not be a physical place. They have a place in their heart or a place in their head or a place in their their mind that that, that when fear starts, starts encroaching on them and fear starts surrounding them, most of us have a favorite hiding place that we run to. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, kids, if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 20. Uh, that is the fourth book in the New Testament and the uh, second to last chapter of that book. So if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. You can do two things. Just look at the screen behind me if you want to do that. Or you can also flip your program over on the back, and there are instructions there on how to follow along on an app called The Bible from Version. And it's a really cool way uh, to, to follow along in the message. There's an interesting story here in, in John chapter 20. You may be here today and, like, you don't know anything about Jesus and, and Christianity. The only thing that you know is what happened in Easter, okay? If that's you, you can hang with us today. Because the story that we're going to look at and the fear that we're going to talk about happens right after Jesus is resurrected from the grave. This happens 12 hours after the resurrection, Uh, A lady named Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb, and, and the tomb is empty, and then she sees Jesus, and she goes back and she tells the disciples, I've seen Jesus, and they're like, what are you talking about? And that evening, so she saw him that morning, and now this story is going to happen that evening. Check this out, verse 19, John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, and then, and then look at this. This is a really important kind of part. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, here's, here's kind of the setting, all right? The disciples are tucked away in this room somewhere in Jerusalem. And they're, 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 they're hiding, and they've locked the doors because they're scared, because they're fearful, and they're fearful of the Jewish leaders but but here's the thing we have to understand they're not fearful because of the crucifixion they're not fearful because they killed Jesus they're fearful because they killed Jesus and now Jesus is gone they're fearful because the tomb is empty and they're thinking in their heads oh shoot man snap they're going to the people that killed Jesus are going to think that we took his body and if they can kill Jesus What's going to stop them from getting us, especially if they think that we stole his body? What happened to Jesus? We don't know what happened to Jesus. You see, we we said last week, what, what is fear? Where does fear come from? We said that fear comes from an elevated sense of vulnerability and a shrinking sense of power. That's exactly the situation the disciples are in. Okay, Their, their, their vulnerability is, is sky high because they have no power. They have no authority. They can't stand against the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders that crucified Jesus. They are incredibly vulnerable, and they have no power. They have no power to do anything to, to self-preserve their physical bodies. If they want to come and arrest them and kill them, they'll be done. So outside of this room, they're vulnerable. Outside of the locked doors, they're in danger. Outside of of the walls that surround them, they are in a place and a position of fear. They're afraid to go outside, to go into the public area. They're afraid to be seen by people walking the streets because people will see them and recognize they used to be with Jesus and now Jesus has disappeared. Wait a second. They took it so they're scared and they're locked away in this room. But check this out, man. This is so cool. Let's go back to the back to the passage. Uh, so they're, 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 the doors are locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Jesus. Now, he didn't unlock the doors. Here's the really crazy thing: Jesus walks through the walls and and busts up their like their, their their party and gets right in the middle of them and starts talking to them. Now, you know, you might be sitting there like, really, you believe that Jesus walked through walls? Listen, if Jesus can pass through gra- grave clothes and a big giant rock in front of his tomb. This wall is like a party trick, okay? It's not really a big deal for him to walk through walls if he can walk out of death, right? So, and we believe he walked out of death, so this is easy to believe. So Jesus says, peace be with you. And I find that so cool, man, because Jesus speaks exactly what they needed to hear at exactly the time they needed to hear it. They needed peace. Now, I don't know today what you're afraid of. I don't know what you worry about. I don't know what's what's got your anxiety on the rise. I don't know what keeps you up at night, but I do know this. I know that what you're searching for is peace. I know that in all the things you're looking for and all the, the things you're scared of and all the things you're fearful of, the thing that you want most in your life is peace. And the thing is, Jesus walks through the walls of fear Because they were scared, they were were terrified, people were after them. He walks through the walls of fear, he walks through the walls of shame that they had put up around them because they had abandoned Jesus. They left him, they deserted him. In his hour of need, they turned their back and they walked away. Jesus walks through their walls of uncertainty because they didn't know what was going to happen in the future. They didn't know, are we going to live tomorrow, are we going to die? Jesus walks through their walls of insecurity how can, how can we make it without Jesus? Jesus is gone. He was our leader. He was our, we, we were following him, and now he's gone. What are we going to do? And Jesus walks through every wall that they constructed around themselves to keep them safe, and he walks through it, and he says, Peace be with you. I know what you need the most right now, and that's peace. But he doesn't stop there. It would, be, it would be one thing if Jesus kind of stopped there and just said, all right, see you later, but he doesn't. Check this out. Let's jump to verse 21. And Jesus said, peace be with you. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he does this really strange thing. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we just assume that, you know, Jesus didn't have, like, grave morning breath, right? Because he was Jesus, And so he breathes on them and he says, he says, as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus addresses their fear and he gives them peace and then he gives them purpose. See, anytime Jesus breaks into the walls of your life and speaks a word of peace, he oftentimes will follow it up with a word of purpose. I'm sending you out. You see, you're you're afraid to get outside of these walls, but it's outside of these walls is the place I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you into the place where you feel most vulnerable. My purpose for you is not to be stuck inside these walls. My purpose for you is outside of these walls in the place you feel vulnerable. In the place that scares you. In the place that that you feel fear and the hand of fear wrapping up around your throat squeezing the life. That's where I want to send you. So I'm going to speak peace into your life and then I'm going to send you out. Even though you're full of full of fear, even though you're still full of shame, even though you're full of uncertainty, I'm still planning to use you in some incredibly powerful ways. But I can't do it while you're locked in this room. So I've got to get you out of this room. My My mission for you is outside of these walls where it's dangerous, where you're vulnerable. I believe in you. I believe your best days are ahead of you. But I've got to get you out of this room that you're in. I've got to get you out of this place. You see, Jesus knew the the crippling power of fear. Jesus knew that fear is like a self-imposed prison. And when you feel fear and you internalize fear, just like the disciples, you you will put yourself in house arrest. And you will construct walls around your life so that other people can't get in, but also so you can't get out. And you don't have to put yourself on the line. You see, fear will make us obsess about ourselves, our limitations. Fear will make us, fear will prevent us from connecting with other people because we're afraid. We're afraid they may let us down. We're afraid we might let them down. We're afraid we won't measure up. Fear will keep us, fear, fear will prevent us from trusting in God. We said last week that fear isn't really our problem. Our problem is trust. We don't have a fear problem. We have a trust problem. And so, in those times, man, when when fear is is closing in on you, in those moments, the temptation that we all experience is to run to our hiding place, our safe spot. For me, it was a chair beside the TV where I I could nudge up between two cushions and put a blanket over my head. For the disciples, it was this room with the locked doors. What is it for you? What's your hiding place? What's your, what, what, what's, what, where do you run when you feel scared? When you feel, when, when you feel vulnerable, where do you, you see, I, I want you to think about it, right? This isn't a rhetorical question. I don't want you to answer it, but I want you to get in your head. Where do you go? Where do you turn? Who do you turn to? And it might be easier as, if you're an adult, it might be easier to think about when you were a kid, where did you go? Did you run to like mom or dad? right? And they wrapped their arms around you and you knew if you were in their embrace, everything else would just kind of fade away. Maybe you had a tree house, right? And when things were getting kind of crazy and chaotic, you would run into your tree house and, and everything else would just kind of fade as you were in your safe spot. Maybe you're like me, maybe, you, maybe your safe spot was under a blanket somewhere as mom and dad are yelling and fighting what they have been. You run under there, you get under their blanket, and then, and and under that under that place, you can pretend like everything's okay because every one of us has a safe spot. We all have a hiding place. What's yours? And here's what I've discovered over time: you know, we exchange uh, childish fears for adult fears, but we also create new hiding places because the blanket's not going to cut it anymore, and your treehouse isn't going to cut it. Anymore. And so you create a new hiding place. And for some of us, we're hiding in substances. And we take substances and we, and we give ourselves to these things to try to just numb out the fear, to drown out the fear, to run away. Some of us hide out in activities just so we can stay busy. Because if we can keep the noise up, then the fear will just kind of become one of many things going on in our head. And so we just try to stay busy, busy, busy. And if I can just stay busy, 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 I don't ever have to deal with the fear. Some of us hop from relationship to relationship trying to find a place that fear won't find us. Some of us work, 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 work because our fear is related to not being able to make it. So we work, 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 and if I can work, 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 then the fear will just disappear. You see, we all have a hiding place. We all have a place that we run to. And I want to tell you the truth. I'm not going to be like, man, your hiding place is junk. No, no, no. Your hiding place offers some temporary relief. You feel safe. You, you feel safe in your hiding spot. Disciples did, did. Did the disciples were were they safe? Yeah, kinda, sure, sorta. They they were safe in the room, but they weren't free. You see, you can th- you, you can you can run to your hiding place and you can be safe, but listen, you won't be free because it's a difference between being safe and being free. They may have been safe, but fear still had them captive in that room. They may, have been, they may have been safe, they may not have been vulnerable, but fear still had its chains around their arms and around their hands, around their waist, because they weren't getting out of that room. And, and Jesus, this is such the cool part of the story, Jesus walks through all of that fear. like The thing that you think is going to keep everybody out, Jesus just passes through it. Like it's no big deal. And he walks through the walls of fear and he gets right in the middle of it and he speaks peace in their lives and he gives them assignment. And here's what I want you to understand here's the thing we've got to grasp. Your deepest purpose in life cannot be accomplished while you're hiding. Your deepest purpose in life cannot be achieved while you're hiding. Now, you might be surviving, but you won't be thriving. You might be safe. But you won't be free. And God wants, God wants you to God wants to walk through your walls of anxiety and worry and fear, and He wants to speak peace and purpose into your life today. He wants to calm your fears, settle you down, and then and then speak to you and say, Listen, I've got calling in your life. I've got dreams for your life. But I need you to understand. Those dreams will never be achieved as long as you're stuck. And some of us in the room, we're stuck in our hiding place because of fear. Now here, I want you to see this because this is such an encouraging part of the story. Jump down with me a few verses to uh, to verse 26. This is three weeks later. 3 weeks later this is kind of a funny part of the story right 3 weeks later uh, John chapter 20 verse 26 a week later he, 3 verses later a week later a week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them and look look at this look, look though the doors were locked <laughs> what does that mean it means, it means a week has gone by and they're still hiding It means seven days have gone by. It means Jesus came and he said, peace be with you. I'm going to send you out of this room. And seven days later, they're still in the room. That's encouraging to me. I don't know if that's encouraging to you, but that's encouraging to me. Because that tells me, man, this is a process. Like like getting out of your hiding spot, getting out of your safe spot, getting out of the fear that's got you trapped is not something that you just like, okay, and you just walk out of. And like, all right, I'm good. I'm... It's, it's not as easy as just opening the door and leaving. It's a process. Seven days later, and they're still hiding. Now, most of these disciples, history tells us, will give their life for the cause of Jesus. But they're not there yet. They're still in fear. They're still hiding. Most of these disciples will lay down their life and will be killed in public because of their their, their their commitment to Jesus, but right now they're afraid to get out of the room. But courage is coming. And courage will come and find you. As, long as you. as long as you continue to pursue Jesus, and check this out, as long as you're open to Jesus passing through the walls that you've constructed around yourself to keep you safe, as long as you're cool with Jesus walking through those walls and speaking peace into your life, courage... Well come. There's a, there's, a, there's a verse in Psalm chapter 32 verse 7 that's just so encouraging, man. It, all week as I've been just preparing and, 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 and praying, this verse has just been on my heart. I, I, I love it. It, it. It's just so simple, but it hits it exactly, well, I think some of us need to hear this morning. Look at this with me on the screen. The psalmist says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. And surround me with songs of deliverance. I love that, man. It's like the psalmist gets it. If it was David, then David gets it. And he's like, he's like, God, you. When I feel fear, when I feel the temptation to go run into into that hiding place where I just kind of wall myself off and 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 get away from all that vulnerability and get away from all that danger into what you're calling me to do. When I feel that, Lord, you are my hiding place. And you will protect me from trouble because I get into a lot of trouble. And you will surround me with songs of deliverance and trust me, there are things that I need delivering from. It's like God is saying to all of us, I am your hiding place. I will protect you. I will surround you, and you need to be surrounded by my love and by my grace, by my salvation. And in that surrounding, when when I come and surround your life with my presence, that's where you'll find and live out the purpose for your life. That's where you'll find your purpose. You see, the disciple's story doesn't end in that locked room. It, It goes on. If we just turn a couple of pages, we end up in the book of Acts. And a few weeks go by and Jesus comes and he talks to them some more and, and they spend time with him and they eat with him and, and, and he teaches them about God and the kingdom of God and their purpose and their mission. And and, and and then they get to this place, it's called the Mount of Olives, in Acts chapter 1, the very beginning part of Acts chapter 1. And all of a sudden Jesus disappears and he's gone again. And they look around and he's not there. And look at this, this is what happens, verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. This is Jesus is gone. Now they're going back to Jerusalem. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, where people are after them, where they're in danger, where they are vulnerable, where they could be killed for associating with Jesus, they went upstairs to the room they were staying. Now. Yeah. Wait a second. They, yeah, well, on the surface, it looks like, oh, well, Jesus is gone, so they're going to go hide again, right? Jesus is gone. Jesus has disappeared, just like he did, just like he did after he was resurrected. We didn't know where he went, so let's go hide again. Looks like nothing's changed going back to their hiding place but something different something has happened jump down with me to verse 14 they're in their hiding place they're in the room now we don't know if the doors were locked or not but they're in the room and then look at this they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers you see they run to the hiding place but it's a different place do you see that it might be the same place geographically, and physically it might be the same walls, but there's something different about them. You see, they've gone to the hiding place, but they're not They're not retreating in fear. They're pursuing purpose. Do you see that? They've gone to the hiding place, but they're not fearful of the Jewish leaders. They're in hot pursuit of the God who has called them into the public place, into the vulnerable space into the vulnerable reality of life. And so they're in hot pursuit of Him. They're not in a prison of fear anymore. They're in pursuit of purpose. And when you invite God into your hiding place, if you read on in the story in Acts chapter 2, God will invade that room. He will transform their lives. He will send His Spirit into them. And they will leave that room and preach in the streets that they were just afraid of. When you invite God into your hiding place, God will transform your hiding place. Here's the thing that, that we've all got to capture today. If you don't remember anything else, here it is. If you will pursue God as your hiding place, His Spirit will empower you to live in the vulnerable place. If you will invite God, if you will seek God, if you will pursue God as the place you run to when you feel fear, God will send His Spirit to transform your life so that you can live in the midst of whatever it is that's got you scared. Is it your work, your finances, your marriage, your relationship with your kids? What's got you fearful of the future? Is it, is it the unknown? If you will pursue God as the place that you run to and the place that you hide to and the place that you go when you feel that fear, His Spirit will transform you in that place and empower you to live in the place that's got you so scared. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we, um, we pursue all kinds of different places in our lives. We hide out in all kinds of different areas, God. Sometimes, Lord, we 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 don't even recognize that we're actually hiding from you. And, and we think that we can hide from you, even though we can't hide from you. Like, like that's impossible. We can't hide from you at all, God. Thank you. God, I just want to say thank you. That all the walls that we construct to try to keep everybody out don't keep you out. Thank you, God. Walking through our walls, through walking through our fear. Thank you for walking through our uncertainty. Thank you for walking through our anxiety to get us to a place where you speak peace and purpose into our lives. Would you do me a favor? Everybody, would you just your eyes closed? I want to talk to you directly for just a for some of you as I've been just, just praying over our experience today what I've discovered is that there, there are some of us here today you have a you have a real issue with fear in your life it's kind of like it's kind of like there's a spirit of fear over your life there's so much fear and anxiety and worry about about relationships that you're in about your finances about your family about your kids about your career and if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. But nobody's looking around, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Nobody's peeking. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. All I'm going to ask you is open your eyes and look at me, eyeball to eyeball. If that's you, if you're like, man, I am. there are things in my life that just have me terrified. I just want you to look at me. Just open your eyes and look at me. I tell you two things, but I want to look at you directly in your face when I tell you this, and I want you to see me. I want you to know two things. Number one, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. You might think you're alone, but you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone alone. God says if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So you're not alone. Not only are you not alone because God is with you, you're not alone because this church is with you. And no matter what you go through and what's got you scared, this place will not turn its back on you. You're not alone. Number two, I want you to run this morning. I want you to run to your hiding place. I want you to run with everything that you've got in you to to, to your hiding place in God, in prayer, in worship. Here in just a second. Pastor Hope's going to sing a song. And it's all about running to your hiding place. Those are the words. And while she sings this, I just want you to to run after him. in, In prayer, in worship, just go to him. And here's what I want you to do. Tell him. Father, I'm scared. Here's what I'm scared about. I don't know what to do about this. I'm afraid that this is going to happen. Fear is always based on the uncertainty of the future. Because whenever the future arrives and becomes the present, you're not fearful of it anymore. Because it's happened. Fear is all in your head about what might happen. I want you to run this morning. Run to him. Tell him. Father, scared. Him, afraid. Will you meet me here? That's such the cool part of this story. God meets them in their fear. He doesn't expect you to get out of the room. You don't have to have the combination to the lock. You don't even have to have the keys to the door. He will walk through the walls for you you see that. He he doesn't expect you to meet Him. He's not like trying to meet you halfway. He will come all the way into your room. For some of you this morning, He's come all the way into the room for you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Will you just meet with Him? Just tell Him, Father, I'm scared. I don't know what to do here. Would you help me, Jesus? you empower me to live amidst the fear, amidst the vulnerability, amidst the uncertainty. Would you speak a word of peace into my life right now? And I promise you, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually, listen to me, you're going to walk out of that room. You're going to walk out of that hiding place with so much courage that the enemy's not going to know what to do with you. When the disciples walked out of that room, they took the world and turned it upside down and nothing has been the same since. Because they met with God in their hiding place. God transformed them for the vulnerable place. Would you stand this morning? Sing with Pastor Hope. The words are going to be on the screen. And if that's you, go after Him with everything you got. And pursue Him. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.